This is a Dynamic Network podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Match Destruction. I am the better half, Dustin, and with me is the man who might not be the better half, but has the hair, and that would be Ken. Yeah, guys, uh, thanks Thanks for listening. Uh, I will say that uh, posting Dustin's picture uh, was a little emasculating for me. I definitely could not have rocked that hair uh, growing up. I always had the, the George Clooney Caesar cut uh growing up uh, until high school when i decided to start frosting my tips which is totally <laughs> going to be clipped out of context uh but uh i thought it looked badass and so did half the members of in sync so if that doesn't <laughs> date me i don't know what does in all fairness i don't think i pulled off that hairstyle either that i had in that picture it's just uh i was 13 and didn't know better <laughs> Ah, the good old days. The good old days. But we got a super fun matchup. I cannot wait. It should be a hilarious, fun one to do. And that would be Ken is representing a dude who loves nachos, I think. His name is Nacho Libre. Nacho! (laughs) And then, of course, I'm representing the actual martial artist, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's character in Bloodsport, Frank Dukes. Look, dude, just because he kicks doesn't mean he's an actual martial artist. All right, Patrick Swayze looked great in karate pants. You don't call him a martial artist. Would you want a roundhouse kick to the face in those? No. No, I'd shoot him. I mean, like... That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, anyway, let's get into the audience matchup that Ken asked last week, and he went with... Kind of the unconventional choice went with a non-action sidekick kind of character, the man in the chair from Spider-Man Home Series, Ned himself. So we had some great answers, some obvious ones like Felicity Smoke from Arrow. We also had Short Round from Temple of Doom, Micro Punisher, Luther, Mission Impossible. Yeah, I don't know that one, actually. But I will say, like, as far as the Arrowverse answer goes, like... Pretty sure Felicia has had, has had some training, and as Ned's like trying to open that portal for like ten minutes, she's just gonna sock him in the face. Yeah, I'd say it's probably very, very close. Now, short round, as as we all know, was the most badass of uh, the side characters. Uh, he was little, and he wore a New York Yankees hat, and he kicked the shit out of people, and also made uh, a very young Ken cry uh, when he burned Indy. Uh, after he was getting, he got backhanded by him. Uh, this was a terrible time in my life for watching uh, Indiana Jones hit a kid. It was like like watching Terminator Two all over again. It's but <laughs> this is definitely not a hands therapizing uh, podcast. We're here to talk about awesomeness. Uh, so yeah. Micro from The Punisher stood out for me. Uh, so I think as as. Uh, Sidekicks in the chair kind of go. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a lot of range. So from 
the answer is actually Micro from Pranisha Wardzone, who was played by Wade Knight, which I think is probably like the closest if we're talking about physicality to Ned. Uh, somewhat okay, on the yeah. slightly larger American size. Um, but still very helpful uh, to the Punisher and, and Ned being helpful to Spider-Man. I think that's probably the closest. Uh, I really liked Micro in the Punisher uh, Netflix series. Uh, so maybe, maybe we'll uh, do, like a, do a uh, yeah do a, a fight between them. Uh, but all good answers, guys. Uh, and stay tuned to this episode. In which time, Dustin, who already kind of let the cat out of the bag for me, I can't wait for this week's audience matchup. Yeah, I'm excited. But, you know, that'll come after we get into the main event of Frank Dukes versus Nacho Libre. And um, last week, Ken dived into the Tell the Coco butter first so this is my week to start but first what is the tell the cocoa butter you ask well it is our way of playing on the tell of the tape from like ufc fighting where we give you the character background bio stats and why frank dukes is gonna be the winner and then we let ken try to argue that point with nacho and then obviously after that we will get into our speculation and down into our statistics on who wins but Tell the cocoa butter, Ken. Are you ready? Oh, I am born ready. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Frank Dukes, played by the one and only, the Split King himself, John Claude Van Dam. He came in at five foot ten, weighing one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Movie we are talking about today is Bloodsport. In that movie, he was the rank of an army captain and just a awesome martial artist, ninjutsu style fighter. So as far as like story beats in a movie go, I will say Nacho Libre is leaps and abound better in that aspect because this is as straightforward of an action flick as you can get. It is literally just we have a tournament. You all fight. You fight good. You like girl done. And that's it. And it's about the intelligence level as well. So anyway, he was trained by Sinzo Tanaka and his he trained alongside Tanaka's son. But unfortunately and sadly, Tanaka's son dies. Well, Frank doesn't like that. And he would like to kind of like honor Tanaka for kind of taking him in, training him. And because of his best friend. So he asked to be trained anyway, and at first he is denied multiple times, and then he, they decide, okay, you know what, fine, we will train you. And then that becomes his life goal, is he wants to get into this tournament, prove himself, so that way he can be like the representation for the Tanaka clan. So as he's an adult now, and he's in the military, he gets invited to the martial arts tournament called the... Kumit, the Kumit is. If, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I just watched it four days ago and I already Kumite. forgot. Anyway, Kumite. 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 There we go. Thank Kumite. you. <laughs> anyway, so he's in the middle uh, of an army base at the time, gets this invitation. Well, they know that he is going and that he has this invitation. So what's he do? He he runs from the military. No explanation, really. He just runs from him, goes and sees his former master to get his blessing. His former master 
looks like he is kind of in his last days. He's not doing so well. And then you fast forward and he's flying over to Hong Kong, lands in Hong Kong. And this is where you meet the love interest. Um, She is a journalist named Janice Kent, and she's trying to get information about these, this underground illegal tournament that no one will talk to her about. She knows the hotel they're all staying at, but everyone's playing coy. They still won't give her answers. And um, <laughs> that's also where you get to meet Frank's new friend, who is just this hulking idiot named, uh, what was his name? Ray Johnson. Ray Johnson, sorry. But he's like this big dude, wears a Sturgis motorcycle headband, and he is a legitimate psychopath. Like, dude doesn't care about anything but causing damage and blood. So they become fast friends for the reasons of, I think they're both American and that's about it. Um, <laughs> as American yeah. as Jean-Claude Van Damme can be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but So they get invited to the tournament. They go there. He has to prove himself. And they're like, if you're really the Tanaka clan, then you have to prove the death touch to the, to us. So, what it is, it's a technique that's passed down through the Tanaka clan, and he has these stack of bricks. I want to say there's about six to eight bricks, like, stacked up on top of each other. He picks the middle stack, smacks it with his hand, and then the bottom brick breaks. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're approved. And then his big hulking friend, to he how he gets approved is he takes one and bashes it with his head and breaks it in half because, you know, he's American, and that's how we do stuff over Freedom. here, all right? Freedom. So there is a fighter there not named Chung Lee, and he is the reigning champ said to have killed a man at the last tournament. He it seems to be basically a child that just lives off of the uh, praises from the crowd, and that's all he cares about. And instantly, Frank makes an enemy with him because Frank beats the record for the fastest knockout in his fight. And that really upsets Chung Lee because that was his record. He's the champ and it's all about him. So then later on in the tournament, Chung Lee has to fight Ray Johnson, Frank's best friend. And Chung Lee uses that as an opportunity to send a message. At first, looks like Ray's doing great. Then he gets cocky, starts walking around like, ha ha, I already beat him. Ha ha ha. Dude stands up, beats the crap out of him, beats him so bad he gets hospitalized for it. And he also steals the bandana, waves it in the face like, ha I stole this, and then leaves. And then th- this is where we get into the only other story beat is Frank and his girlfriend have been kind of seeing each other. They went on a date together. She snuck into that fight where Ray got beat up really bad and saw that. Now she's like pleading for him not to do the tournament because she doesn't want to see him get hurt. And then you get these two officers that are trying to stop him from America, like I think CIA agents or something. And he basically escapes and evades them and goes to the tournament anyway. Like, I have to do this. Like, it reminded me of like, this has to be where Never Back Down stole a lot of its story from. And then they added some extra because I swear it was like the same thing. Best friend gets beat up. Don't fight. I love you. I got to do this. It's honor. And then they goes and fights. So he shows up to fight Chung Lee and they go back and forth for a while. They do this weird thing with the stage where it's like elevated at 45 degrees on both sides. 
And they're just going to town, doing splits, doing kicks, doing punches. And ultimately, the winner, as always, is the main character, Frank Dukes. Now, some of the training and equipment he has. um, Equipment, his fists, his splits, and his feet. All right? That's all he needs. He has exceptional reflexes. He's a great fighting strategy. And he has a really strong will. And... When I was looking up stats on him after I watched this movie, one of them said intelligence, but I did not see that in this movie, so I'm not going to say that one. Now, for the uh, quote-unquote, probably most likely 99.9% sure these are fake stats about the real Frank Dukes, because um, this was all based off of a true story, wink, wink, um, until they find that found out that there's no one to corroborate the story and that he had his best friend from high school lie for him and then they got caught for it. Anyways, the fake stats is he fought 329 fights in the span of five years. That is insane. And just that alone, I was like, there's no way. That's no. I had a cousin who fought in the UFC for a little while and he had like three to four fights in a year. And then he fought in the PFL and they do an actual season. And that was like five or six fights. Like you don't like that's That's just outrageous. He also claimed to have 56 consecutive knockouts in a single tournament. The fastest knockout at three seconds, which that one could be believable. Fastest kick at 72 miles per hour. And um, that is the story from the real Frank, Frank Dukes. And he is sticking to it. All right, guys, so normally I don't do this. However, I do kind of feel like maybe we should review this movie uh, just to make Dustin watch it again so that he understands the majesty of Bloodsport. Wow, Dustin, that was like the most depressing way of explaining one of the greatest 80s action movies on the face of the earth. Bloodsport is the greatest action movie on the face of the earth when it comes to tournaments on the american side everyone knows this the reason why it is is it's almost a direct knockoff of enter the dragon which coincidentally also had the same bad guy named bolo who was chun li in this one decidedly racist but i'm not even going to get into that It is the greatest action movie. Now, I am not some kind of homer when it comes to JCVD, or Jean-Claude Van Damme, as the noobs like to call him. But the muscles from Brussels had to fight in the Kumite for his Shidoshi. You put some respect on that, Dustin, if you're even going to try to attempt to play this character to lose terribly to an overweight man with a really bad mustache and afro and i'm not talking about looking at yourself in the mirror i'm talking about nacho libre that that hurt a little bit that hurt a little bit but um okay clarify a few points i i said the storyline was not great like it was a straight up tournament action fight like as far as like deep storytelling, it was not there. Also, it's older than I am, so I don't care. Dustin, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say probably one of the only movies that's going to have any kind of notoriety is the one we've already reviewed, which was The Professional. 
I think that's the only one we're going to say probably came anywhere close to a award of some type. We're not here for the deep thinking. We're here for muscles, fighting, blood, and you have all three in blood. I'm not, you know what, Dustin? I think you lost by you lost by disqualification just for that. Oh but no, you know what? no, we'll, I'm still we'll, gonna win. We'll, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna you know allow this charade. That's right, a charade. I said good day to you, sir. Uh, to go on to allow me to discuss the actual winner, which is going to be the Lucha Libre Luchador himself, Ignacio Nacho Libre. Ignacio was played by Jack Black. Of of course, he helped write and produce this movie. Shockingly enough, it was only made for $35 million in 2006, which I think is a legitimately decent budget for what this movie was. Um, it grossed over $99.3 million. So it made that and, and more as from a Nickelodeon uh, uh, production, uh, which is it's pretty badass. Now, JCVD may be the muscles from Brussels, but Jack Black brings the heat at five foot eight and weighing 222 pounds. I'm sorry, five six. I gave him a two extra two inches uh, for for this film. Uh, he uh, again, he's uh, he might be a uh, a larger American, but in this film, uh, he's actually uh, half Scandinavian, half Mexican. Uh, which this is also based on a true story, by the way. So coincidentally, I had absolutely no idea that these two were based on true stories. You can't see doing air quotes, but they're heavily present. Uh, it, it, it's it's amazing, but we'll get into that. Uh, so Ignacio is a Catholic monk uh, who by day is a cook for the monastery and by night is the Lucha Libre master uh, but we'll get into that. So Ignacio's parents, a Scandinavian Lutheran missionary and a Mexican deacon, both die while he is a baby. Now a cook for the Oaxa, Oaxa, yeah, Oaxa. Uh, I'm going to get like torn up and down for this because I took two years in high school Spanish uh, monastery orphanage where he was raised. Ignacio dreams of becoming a luchador, but wrestling is strictly forbidden by the monastery as it is considered a sin of vanity. Okay, I'd buy that. Uh, though Ignacio cares deeply for the orphans, he's also unable to provide decent meals for them due to a lack of funds. He also struggles with his feelings for Sister and Sari Sion. Uh, a nun who teaches at the orphanage. One night, while collecting a bag of tortilla chips for the orphans, Ignacio is mugged by a street thief named Stephen. After a fight between the two, Ignacio decides to disregard the monastery's rules and become a luchador to make money. He convinces Stephen to join him with the promise of remuneration if they win, and the two join a local competition as tag partners. Ignacio fights with the moniker Nacho to keep his identity secret, while Stephen adopts the name Esqueleto, which is loosely skeleton. Uh, though they lose their first match, they are nevertheless paid as wrestlers, and as they are entitled to a portion of the total purse of the fight, they continue to wrestle each week with Ignacio using the money to acquire better food for the orphans. Ignacio accepts the loss, losses initially, but gradually grows annoyed with being able to, unable to win. Stephen then brings him to a water gypsy, who tells Ignacio to climb into an eagle's nest and consume the yolk of the egg, claiming that he will gain the powers of an eagle. Ignacio completes the task, but is still 
loses the next several bouts, frustrating him further. As such, he seeks the advice of the champion Lucio or Ramses, who arrogantly rebuffs his attempts at conversation. Ramses' manager holds a party for the best wrestlers. Steven manages to get through them uh, through, but it leaves Ignacio for being too heavy. While inside, Steven discovers that in order to be considered a professional, one must be a last luchador standing in the ring. Ignacio manages to get inside the party by disguising himself as a band member playing for the party. Ramsey finds uh, Ignacio's performance annoying, much to his anger. Due to Steven believing in science and hating orphans, Ignacio wants to never see Steven again. Ignacio's secret is revealed to the entire monastery when his robe catches fire during mass, exposing his wrestling costume. He admits that he is indeed Nacho and tells him that he intends to fight a battle royale for the right to take on Ramses for a cash prize, which he will use to buy a bus for the orphans. During the match, wrestler Silencio ultimately emerges the victor after defeating Ignacio, who comes in second place. Following this, Ignacio is banished from the monastery and he goes to live in the nearby woods. The next morning, Stephen comes to tell him that Silencio has been injured and cannot fight, and that as the second-place finisher, Ignacio now has the right to fight Ramses. Ignacio and Stephen agree to team up again. That night, Ignacio sends a, a message to the sisters, explaining his plan and confessing his love for the sister. Despite initial difficulty, Ignacio manages to do well in the match, winning the crowd support. However, this drives Ramses to cheat, and Ignacio is nearly defeated by Ramses until he sees the sister enter the arena with the orphans. Inspired by their support, Ignacio rallies himself and defeats Ramses with a diving technique. Ignacio becomes a professional wrestler and eventually manages to buy a bus for the orphans with his prize money. Then he takes the orphan Stephen and, and the sister on a field trip to Monte Ablon. So, as far as the actual character of Nacho Libre, uh, he is definitely not what we'd like to call classically trained in the art of Lucha Libre. Uh, he is very much a self-taught man, uh, which I think bodes as much you know, to himself and gives credit to his nature uh, as far as anything else. Now, he may not know any death touches, as, as one likes to call them, but he does know de- nice diving techniques and ways of getting punched in the face a lot uh so we all know it's very important to be able to take damage as much as to give it and that is something that ignacio can take in spades as far as equipment he is going to have his fighting pants uh, which are very important to him uh, and his lucha libre mask because if he loses that mask then he is no longer a luchador and it's you know, very important to him to have that. Now, again, this is based, quote unquote, on a Catholic priest that actually moonlighted for 23 years as a Lucha Libre, which I think is pretty badass. Uh, growing up I, you know, in the Southwest, I got to see a lot of uh, Lucha Libre like uh, fights. Uh, I was heavy, heavy into professional wrestling when I was a kid. Uh, so wrestlers like Rey Mysterio, who are like still wrestling, uh, incredible to watch. I loved the high flying acrobatics. Uh, so having that like joined at the hip with Jack Black uh, for this film, it was just it, again, it's like a chef's kiss. You can't you can't beat it. Um, and all, all of that. And he has the love of a nun and orphans at his heart. Therefore, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. Fight for she is much he wants and his honor. And Forrest Whitaker, and I think is like one of his very first film roles as one of the CIA agents, 
I, I don't even think he had Forrest Whitaker eye at that point. Uh, he probably got punched in the face by Frank <laughs> Dukes, and that's what gave him Forrest Whitaker eye. All right. Uh, we got the he, he had a very slight one. <laughs> Nacho has the support that he needs and the willpower to do what's necessary. And he may or may not have Steven in his corner telling him what to do. And that is why Nacho is going to win this fight. It's cute that you think that. <laughs> Man, okay, I will agree. Luchadors are freaking awesome. I, too, grew up watching wrestling, and Rey Mysterio was definitely a favorite between me and my cousin. And, like, we used to have the wrestling game on the Nintendo 64, and we would make our own luchadors like Rey Mysterio and just do battle royales the whole time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, and there's so many... Uh, like up and comers that are, that were coming. Eddie Guerrero was amazing. You know, uh, what's his name? It's one guy who's uh, walked around with a guitar in WCW. I'll come up with it later. Ming? Uh, but uh, not Ming. Uh, but he he had a skeleton, you know, suit. He walked around with a guitar. Uh, like I said, it'll come to me. But like <laughs> they were such a great juxtaposition against like the superhero esque G.I. Joe wannabes that like popped out of an action figure box. And like these guys are quick, light. They moved around a lot. Uh, they probably didn't like do much damage at all when it came to like force on force, but they could acrobatically take people down. So uh, badass. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, though, Nacho is not a traditional luchador, and he is going to get his butt kicked. Now, we are getting into the funnest part of our show, I think, at least, and that is our speculation. Now, we do a thousand matches through a Monte Carlo simulation like our, um, shall I call them our parents? You know, we got we got Marvelous Joe, the dad, and then Johnny DC, I'll say the the, the mom. To me, he comes off as a little naggy sometimes because he doesn't like me. Um, <laughs> love you. Love you, Johnny. Anyways, um, they made it popular. It also was used in Spike TV's television show, The Deadliest Warrior. It uses statistics like, I don't know, damage potential, durability, speed, combat experience, stuff like that. Throws it into a simulator and it tells you who wins. Well, that's boring. So we like to speculate a fight, and then we use the results for the simulation to determine the winner. Now, the speculation has zero bearings on our fight whatsoever or on our statistics or our outcome, but we like to do it anyway because it just makes for a great time, and it is honestly why I keep coming back week after week. Now, we are on a battlefield. Our parents do a non-environment environment lame we're going to say, you know, this is going to be a I'll I'll even I'll give you an advantage. We will do it on a like a boxing ring, like wrestling arena fighting style deal in the middle of a street in downtown New York next to the Destruction Deli. Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. Like I needed any assistance. Not you sure need as much help anything. as you can get. As Nacho can take on anybody and anywhere, and it's La Parca.
La Parka was the luchador that was badass in like the black skeleton costume uh, in WCW. Oh, okay. But that's not even important right now. All right. La Parka would be bringing Lucha, uh, Lucha Nacho in with him. Like, hey, man, this is the guy. Uh, so uh, Nacho is going to, you know, come in on his school bus that he purchased for the orphans. The orphans. He's going to drive up in that and he's going to get out and, and know that the orphans are behind him. Uh, and he's going to get into the ring uh, and, and just give the crowd everything and anything that they want. He's going to bounce back and forth, back and forth on the ropes, jump up on the second turnbuckle, just blowing out kisses to everybody, pointing out the deli man, you know, next door, like you, I'm doing this for you, man. Uh, and as he watches this muscly dude walk in, he, he knows he's got him beat. He beat the hell out of Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what he thinks. But as, uh, you know, we got Frank walking into the ring, he stops at a table and just simply death touches a stack of bricks, exploding the bottom ones out. And then that's when Nacho starts to sweat like, oh, what did I just sign up for? And that's Let's where fair, Frank just Nacho. Nacho would be sweating just getting into the ring. That's regardless of whatever <laughs> the hell you're doing. Nacho would be sweating because it's hotter than shit in New York City right now. Uh, the humidity is ridiculous, and it's tough getting into a ring and running around. He's he's from Mexico. He should be used to the heat. You don't get used to the heat. Everybody knows that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so now we're both in the ring. Who do you think goes first? Well, Nacho, you know, seeing this guy, he knows he's probably going to have to to take him out quickly. Right. You know, it's it's for the kids The the amount of time he spends in that ring, uh, he's already got all the popular support he needs. So he doesn't need anything else. Uh, so Nacho is just going to come flying at Frank. Uh, but instead of like coming at him with an elbow or a hand or a leg drop or anything like that, uh, he's expecting that Frank is going to be. You know, playing along, this is a professional wrestling match after all. Uh, so he's going to try to jump over him like a frog jump, you know, and expecting Frank to like duck. And that is when he makes that big mistake and Frank straight up roundhouse kicks him right in the face. Okay, so that probably but, hurt. But I will say it looks like it misses by a country mile because this is an 80s movie, but it does connect and blood flies everywhere. You think blood flies everywhere, but it's actually like the spit and the sweat, like in a good boxing movie, you know, like hit and then just sweat just explodes out of nowhere. Kind of like we're in another Quentin Tarantino movie, but instead of blood, it's sweat. So like everybody in the front row and like probably three rows back are getting just pelted with water and sweat and, <laughs> and viscera and not blood. You know, it's like a Gallagher concert. All right. So. Frank kicked, you know, maybe the hell out of Nacho. We're not sure. Okay, we're going to make it seem like he did. All right, so Nacho's going to play along, uh, probably really feeling dazed, but he knows how to take a take a hit, right? And and he is going to hit the mat, uh, using it to kind of springboard himself back up uh, right into the ropes, giving himself a little bit more uh, inertia and momentum. Which time he's going to spring himself back into a back frog splash right into Frank Dukes with all of his weight, all of his momentum running square long into this dude. Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. 
because I think Frank Dukes could dodge and counter, but I'll say it catches him by surprise. He gets knocked back and he's just like covered in sweat. He's like, oh, oh, so flipping gross. But he's easily going to just roll off to the side, stand up, and then kick the kneecap right out of Nacho Libre. As Nacho is doing that, though, he's going to come. That's what he was expecting. He was expecting Frank to kick him so hard that his knee buckles backwards, right? And it may hurt. He's not going to say it is, though. Uh, And he is going to come flying back at him using his arm to do like an elbow drop. But as he drops, he actually faints. And instead of dropping the elbow into the solar plex of Frank Dukes, he's going to take a little, you know, word out of the heel book and uppercut him to the bulls. That's right, folks. Mm. You all were waiting for it. We were. We were. And, you know, I'm. I wish I could say I was surprised. So Frank's reeling. Um, it, like, let's be honest. No man feels great after a nut shot, especially an uppercut. So he's like backing off. Oh, man. But he's been tortured for his training. He knows how to handle his pain. He was stretched. So what he's going to do is he's going to be mad for one. But also, I don't know how much this would hurt him because the dude does the split so many times. And even his best friend in the movie is like, Man, that hurts me just looking at that. How does that not hurt you? So, you know, there's questions there. But Frank is out for revenge at this point. He's like, you hit me in the boys, I'm going to do it back. And he just drops into splits and uppercuts Nacho right back. So Nacho's going to come flying back from that, right? So he he took that hit. Uh, and as he kind of rolls up, he's going to look over at Frank in the splits, like doing his weird thing. And he's just going to murmur in like that really bad, like Spanish accent that he uses. Hey, hey man, uh, I, I liked it better when you were Chuck Norris. So like, cause he knows that Chuck Norris did it first, you know, cause he's oh, Chuck okay. Norris. Anyways. Yeah. So you didn't get that. Cause you know, everybody needs to understand that JCVD thinks he's Chuck Norris, but he's not. Okay. So, uh, you know, Nacho is going to like, bring himself back up, you know, using the power of the crowd and like using like his love for his, his nuns and the orphans. And he's going to see Steven in the front row, giving him the, you know, the, Hey man, you should go for it. So Nacho's going to like watch as JCVD's Frank Dukes is just in the splits and just seems to be there for an inordinately long amount of time. <laughs> like there's like no reason for a man to stay in the splits as long as he does. But for some reason he's there. Right. So even Nacho is like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But you know what? I'm going with it. I'm going to go with it. So he is going to go for his finishing move. He is going to go up to the third turnbuckle on the top rope and he's going to feel the power of the crowd and feel that, you know, feel everything behind him. He's going to really feel that Eagle yolk in his stomach from eating that yolk of the egg. And he's going to go in for his diving technique and he dives straight at Frank Dukes. Okay. Well, Frank Dukes, he, he sees this coming. I mean, anyone could see this big man struggling to get on the top rope. So he's going to instantly stand up. And as Nacho is flying at him. He's just going to simply step out of the way. And after you belly flop onto that stage, he's going to kick him square in the face. And then he's going to do what no one should ever do. He's going to rip that mask off of his head. So, you know, you, you do that and it's over. Like the fire is just going to erupt in, in Nacho. 
So as he rips the mask off of Nacho, Nacho is going to do a jumping burpee as fast as humanly possible, going into a body kick slam double technique, breaking Frank Dukes in half, and then putting his mask back on. He's going to get back up, walk over to the side of the ring, and yell, Nacho! Okay, I'm I'm gonna say he jumps up and that's what he wants to happen, but Frank Dukes of Dukes is gonna straight up kick his leg out and then elbow him in the throat, shattering his windpipe. Okay, so maybe that's a way it could have happened. I don't think so. I think Nacho wins this match by the most climactic way possible. You know, yeah. getting his honor and dignity back. All right, not not just playing to the crowd like like some jerk faces that like to do splits. All right, so Nacho is going to win this match, and I don't care what you say. Okay, you know you know what? I think that's a perfect time to uh, let's hear the stats so we can uh, let. Let it, this get over, like peel the bandaid off of Ken because this this ain't gonna go well for him. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Uh, but before we do that, I feel like we should do our destruction spectrum. Um, which for those of you that don't know, it's it's how Dustin and I kind of vary, like what if you were to take these two combatants and drop them in a real world New York City street with the deli with everything around like how much collateral damage would happen um and in in this one dustin i feel like we're at like a point five uh, yeah like yeah. is you know, other than the death touch which doesn't exist but okay uh other than the death touch i i don't feel like there's going to be much of anything going on except these dudes like throwing themselves at each other like slap fighting a little bit and I, that happens every day in New York City, so I don't feel like that's that's that big of a deal. No, no, I I definitely agree. Point five. That sounds above and beyond what it what we even need it to be. Uh, but it's a strong point five uh, in Nacho's defense. All right, so sure. to get to the res- get to the results, as Dustin likes to just rudely say, you know, and he shouldn't be taking victory lap so soon. He doesn't know how this match is going to go. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. I, I, there was no way in hell that Nacho was going to win this one, but you know what? He put <laughs> up a good fight. Uh, so, yes, friends, Frank Dukes definitely won this match of a 1,000 matches, uh, 607 to Nacho's 393. So 60% Frank, 40% Nacho. Uh, it really just kind of goes to basically all the stats with the exception of humor, which we all know is the most important thing for our podcast. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, I think they'd probably be pretty close in versatility. I mean, the fact that this monastery, you know, monk that barely can cook is able to go as far as he is into the, the Lucha Libre world is a testament to his versatility. So, uh, and I told Dustin this before we even started uh, recording, guys, I didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit whether or not <laughs> Frank was going to win or mop the floor with Nacho. I really just wanted to have Nacho Libre in a fight. And the, you really can't go with another character that's as close to Nacho. Like, because I feel like that would just drawn on an infinitum, like having to, like, guard, you know, 
David versus another David and a Goliath versus another Goliath, if we were to find somebody as not good as Nacho <laughs> Libre, uh, the fight would just go on forever. Uh, so, like I said to Dustin, this is a very well, not very well fought one. There, you didn't. This this was over before it even started. But I applaud you, sir, uh, for for taking it as seriously as I did. Uh, and yes, Dustin won, but we all know who really won in our hearts. Nacho Libre, Orphan. Nacho Libre won your heart. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I will say. He did better than my, you know, my loss last week. He did. He put up a better fight against a far superior opponent than I thought Spartacus should have against Zoro. Well, with that one, it was definitely more technical ability. And I think that's mm-hmm. really where we're at with 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 Frank. Like Frank technically is a better fighter, uh, but he doesn't have as much heart as, as Nacho. So that's that's or what really mattered. Or, or yeah, both of them were probably <laughs> right about the same intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one thing going for both of these characters. <laughs> uh, all right, Dustin. So before we uh, unveil our audience matchup, which is yours this week, uh, how about we pick who we're going to be fighting next week? Uh, this is another really good match. One that uh, is kind of a sleeper. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't really think to put these two together, but I'm pretty excited about it. Laura Croft from Tomb Raider versus Lilo from the fifth element. Ooh, okay. So both of these badass women, you know, both of them, you know, I I saw, I mean, the other day, you know, Laura Croft, you know, opens up a cave where there's dinosaurs that survived 65 million years of, you know, uninterrupted life and bliss. And what's the thing she does? Pulls out her guns and shoot it. Cause that's, that's what we do. That's, that's how we roll. Uh, so that's fair. We, as normal, we are going to do this by a coin flip. Uh, last week, I didn't even do a coin flip. I allowed Dustin to pick, uh, and we all know he picked wrong, anyways. But regardless of that, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to the coin flip. Uh, so, Dustin, call it in the air. All right, heads. It is heads. Ooh, okay. Oh, man, this is a tough one, actually. Oh, I haven't seen either of these movies in so long. But I will choose Fifth Element because my wife loves that movie, so it'll be fun to rewatch it with her. Definitely, and we're and just so everyone's aware, we are not going to be doing. Uh, I guess we have to, don't we? She she wasn't a movie. All right, fine. We'll do the movie version of Laura Croft uh, instead <laughs> of the video game version, which is far superior. However, I will say. Oh, yeah. You know, the 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 latest video, latest set of video games very closely resembles the newer movie. So, yeah, we'll go with it. Fine. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, why don't you hit us up with this audience matchup? Yeah. So um, I have been stuck in Halloween brain. I know it's early for that, but that is because my younger brother is getting married. So I had to reserve a cabin for his wedding and he's getting married on Friday the 13th in October. So I'm probably going to die. Um, so that'll be the last episode you hear my voice on. But um, with that, I wanted to do a monster. So I'm going with Count Dracula, specifically from the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing movie. Um, awesome movie. Had the best actress on planet Earth, Kate Beckinsale, in it. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, and uh, Dracula was freaking awesome in that movie. So, yeah, we're going with Dracula. 
Solid choice as 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 usual, my friend. Uh, definitely not my favorite Dracula to hit the silver screen, uh, but a willing and noble combatant he is. Uh, and I definitely second that Kate Beckinsale is a smoke show. Uh, so oh, yeah. we will be getting to uh, Celine uh, sooner or later. But I think that does it for us. Dustin, you got anything to throw out? Yeah, um, next week, listen for our episode where you will probably hear me win again, where I will be representing the one and only Jack Sparrow. And Ken got some dude in a fedora. Oh, man, I'm going to get some flack for that. But that's all I have. Some, some, some dude. I, I'm, I'm over here twitching. And so is half of the internet. And the other half, <laughs> half is going to sending this. And speaking of death notes, uh, our, our friend of the podcast and fellow Dynamite uh, network provider, Zach, is dropping Sinjoa World this week. Uh, I know we are very excited to welcome, welcome them into the Dynamic. Uh, Dynamite uh, Network, uh, and we can't wait to see what the first episode rolls with. Uh, and uh, we are very excited uh, to continue this journey with you guys. And oh, by the way, I did not forget episode 15, Dustin, we will be reviewing Robocop. Uh, so that was the Ooh, winner of okay. our poll. Uh, I think it was very. Very well done, and I can't wait to do that. Uh, so keep on keeping on, and remember, folks, Dustin is terrible and doesn't have hair. And that's all. <laughs> all right, um, see you guys. I'll say I won. Bye. <laughs>